what I loved about that book is it was also, and here's what engaging with your shadow means. And you're not going to get rid of her and you can't kill her off. You have to learn how to love her and, and love her into being and love her into wholeness. And um, I think for me, probably the biggest challenge was that I remember, you know, at a certain point, I realized that I was like, this is going to be like a lifelong journey. Like I'm not ever going to get to a place where it's like, oh, I'm done. Whew, good. You know, glad that's over with. <laughs> and so there was almost like the second commitment that I had to make to myself when I realized that reparenting myself or learning how to love myself or learning how to trust in the universe, which I knew for me was the number one biggest issue that even to this day, I'm still working with, you know, there's not some thing that you're going to point to that says, oh, well, this is how you know I'm self-actualized, or this is how you know I know how to love myself. And that's where that becomes that process that you're just going to be working with on or this journey that you're on. This is Pam December, and this is the Mad for Purple podcast, your place for all things spirituality, self-actualization, healing, and human design. Keep listening to receive wisdom, tips, and tools as we journey into higher consciousness together. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode from Mad for Purple. Today, I'll be talking with Trisha Morrissey. Trisha is a 6'2", off-the-roof, splenic manifester with the left angle cross of the Alpha One, novice to master trajectory, fourth house sun in Leo, Taurus rising in Gemini moon. Trisha is a spiritual practitioner working with the healing esoteric arts of astrology and tarot, a Reiki practitioner with specific interests in the chakras, energetic emotional connections, and she has done a deep study in psychology from Rutger University College of Arts and Sciences bachelor's program as well as had training in faith and spiritual-based counseling. Trisha's business is called Rooted in Starlight, where she does consultations for natal chart relationships and current forecasts, as well as tarot readings. Hi, Trisha, and welcome to the show. So excited to have you here today. Hi, Pam. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm actually really looking forward to this myself. Yes, even our pre-talk. This is going to be a lot of fun. I like to start off the episode just asking, when did your spiritual journey begin? And because you're so into astrology and tarot, were those a part of it right from the beginning? So yes, that astrology and tarot were definitely a part of the spiritual journey. I think for me, what happened early on is that I was studying them and didn't realize that I was in the process of some kind of evolution. And I would say that I really started working with astrology when I was a teenager. And initially, it was all just my sun sign. And oh, I love, I'm a Leo. So I was like, oh, I love being ruled by the sun. And oh, our stone is the ruby. And oh, it's the best sign out there. And so it was very much that adolescent mentality of, of studying it. And then I started really working with it where I was signing up for workshops and things like that when I was in my early 20s. And part of why I did that is I had actually done my own chart 
when I think I was like 19 when I first actually attempted to do my own chart um, because this was before programs were out. This was in the early 80s. So if there were astrology programs out, I was not even aware of it. So I had done it by hand. And then I remembered the very first workshop that I took. It was like a three-month workshop. And I only did it because I was like, oh, I want to see if I did this right. I remember the first thing I loved was that when she did my chart, like it was what I had done. And I was like, okay, so at least you know what you're doing. <laughs> and then I just like built from there. And what was interesting is I picked up tarot because in astrology, they're always making a lot of references to the tarot and how those cards associate with the planets and the signs. And as I was studying astrology, then I was kind of like, okay, well, I need to know what is the system? Like, what's this all about? And so that was how I picked that up. And then the actual real work of my spiritual journey came to be when I was interestingly, like right in the midst of my first Saturn return. I was in my late 20s, probably 30, when I realized that my life was just not working the way that I needed it to, and that my responses to the world around me were not healthy. I was raised and grew up in a alcoholic family um, with my mother being the one that had the, I mean, both my parents drank, but it was my mother that had the much more toxic personality when she was in those states of uh, being inebriated and just not in control of herself. And so, you know, that left me and my siblings with a lot of inconsistent parenting and a lot of uncertainty. And it's funny because in your first episode, there were just a lot of things with the self-actualization and, and Maslow. And, and I actually am a big Carl Jung fan. And so it really kind of reminded me of like all the work that I had initially started out on just to try and understand like what was going on inside me internally and, and why I was responding the way I was. So, you know, I had a lot of anger that really bubbled up for me when I was probably in my mid-teens and it literally followed me into my 20s. And there was just a lot of the way I responded to anything or anyone that wasn't able to be there for me was just either shutting down or shutting them out. And by the time I was approaching 30, I was realizing like, this is not going to work for you if you keep doing this and you've got to figure out why you're doing this. And you've got to figure out what it is you need to do to try and change this or, you know, quote unquote, fix this. <laughs> so, and I have to tell you, Pam, to this day, I cannot remember how it came into my life, but somehow... I'm a big uh, avid reader. So for me, I do not need to go clothes shopping. But if you put me in a bookstore, I can be in there for hours. And I was even like that back then. And so I somehow ended up, I was in a bookstore and somehow ended up with the book called Women Who Run With the Wolves by Clarissa Estes. And I remember I read the foreword of that book and it literally took me a week to recover just from reading the foreword. I was so blown away by what she was referring to as the psychic wound and the, the psychic damage that happens when you are raised in any kind of environment that has trauma in it. And it was at that point that I was like, oh my God, like I really don't know who I am. And I, you know, it was just like this whole unraveling of everything 
it was kind of like this unraveling, but also this eye-opening experience of understanding that everything that I thought I was or that made me up primarily was unhealthy. And I had to find out what inside me was healthy and how could I cultivate that and bring that forward while, you know, almost taming the beast or taming the tiger so that I wasn't going to spend the rest of my life just in some angry state where I was just going to be shutting people out and things like that. And what was interesting with her book is in her book, she keeps referring to the old religion. And as I was reading that book, there was a moment where I was like, oh, I have to study more about this old religion. Like, what is that? And then that was what led me on the path of really pursuing and learning about the divine feminine practices and where they came from and how they were obviously very dominant thousands of years ago. And, you know, then we lost that. And so um, I remember from that book, I ended up actually, me and my sister, who I was very, very close to, we ended up doing a workshop on that book because we had come across that there was one being done. And we did that. I still have the original book that I read. So it's kind of yellowish brown from the age and it has, you know, I mean, in every chapter, the amount of things that are underlined that really resonated with me. And then if it's something really, really resonated, it got underlined and then I would have stars next to a paragraph or a sentence. And and that book is just filled and covered with that. So, and then from there, I went to the other book that was a real game changer for me was The Artist's Way by Julie Cameron. And what's really interesting is it wasn't until I was into that book and, and then learning about her that I realized she was actually in the program, which was why the book was set up as like a 12-step program. And they were really the two books that really started me on the work of here's a spiritual path here's what engaging with your higher self means. And with Women Who Run With The Wolves, what I loved about that book is it was also, and here's what engaging with your shadow means. And you're not going to get rid of her and you can't kill her off. You have to learn how to love her and and love her into being and love her into wholeness. And um, I think for me, probably the biggest challenge was that I remember, you know, at a certain point, I realized that I was like, this is going to be like a lifelong journey. Like I'm not ever going to get to a place where it's like, oh, I'm done. Whew, good. You know, glad that's over with. <laughs> and so there was almost like the second commitment that I had to make to myself when I realized that reparenting myself or learning how to love myself or learning how to trust in the universe, which I knew for me was the number one biggest issue that even to this day, I'm still working with. I think what happens is that sometimes we insist that if we're doing certain work, that we have to have something tangible to show for it. And so there was a level for me where I started realizing like, my goodness, like, yeah, you've done so much work on your shadow and you've done so much work on, you know, trying to love yourself and changing your thoughts and manifesting and visualization and meditation. And I think there was a part of me that almost just had that all locked away in a closet over the last five years with some of the changes that I was going through and in engaging with the community that I'm now engaging with, it's just reminded me of, oh yeah, like you actually know that or you're aware of that because you had worked on that. And that part's kind of refreshing, but then it also does make me realize that I think it's easy for us to forget that stuff because you still can get into that mindset of, well, I should have something to show for that. Like what shows that I did this or what shows that I did that. But I think that's what's funny when we're working with ourselves is that you don't really have these tangible 
so to speak. You know, there's not some thing that you're going to point to that says, oh, well, this is how you know I'm self-actualized, or this is how you know I know how to love myself. And that's where that becomes that process that you're just going to be working with on, or this journey that you're on. And the universe is just always going to try and connect you with situations that you will be able to grow from as long as you stay open to that energy. Yeah. And for anybody that's looking to kickstart their journey, start a podcast or start a business, something like that. And the opportunities for growth, it can be overwhelming at times, but it's, I know for myself too, and it sounds like for you, it's like looking forward to it in a different way because of working with the shadow and just having an appreciation for the richness that that brings to the light. Yeah. So before we started recording, you were talking a little bit about how you're a Leo, but originally you didn't really relate to it. I think that's an awesome process that you went through to come to know yourself in a different way. I'd love if you'd share that with the audience. Yes, because when I first got into astrology, the whole reason I got into it was I was in a bookstore and I came across this little book that was all about Leo. And I was like, oh, this is the, how great is this? And I remembered I picked it up and it was, you know, giving you what your ruling planet was, the gemstone, and then the flowers, the sunflower, which I love sunflowers. And so I just remembered that for me, I thought this is the best sign ever. Like, it's a shame that not everyone can be a Leo. There was a moment where I thought, oh, the poor people that have to be ruled by the moon, like how sad. It was very adolescent, but it was just something I was really feeling at the time. But when I was reading the, the characteristics for Leo, you know, it was all about this. You just show up and take center stage and everyone just gravitates towards you because you're just this amazing, extravagant person and you have this extravagant personality. And I remember when I was reading it all, I kept thinking was, oh, well, wait, that's not me. I'm not like that. You know, I go into a room and I kind of like literally find a corner where I can be and then scan the room for a while before I decide what other part of the room I want to move to and who else I might want to get near. And so what was so interesting is as I was reading that, the first thing it made me think of was like, oh, well, what's wrong with me? Like, why am I not like that? And then that was what really led me to understand that what else is there to this astrology and what else is there than your sun and your sun sign that actually helps make up your personality and make up the parts of you that, you know, as a whole, you know, are something that is brilliant and unique, but that it's really sometimes important and it's certainly very helpful to know what those little parts are so that you're not reading one thing or having someone even describe to you what you should because I was someone that when I was younger the moment someone would ask something about me I would be like oh I'm Leo and one of the things that happened is that I would have people that knew me would be like oh really oh that's not what I would have guessed and so that on top of me already feeling like oh something was wrong that only just reinforced that because I was like oh okay um there definitely is if these people don't think that I'm a Leo or they don't know that and that's where like really learning about it and learning about your rising sign and your moon sign and even more important how the houses when I started understanding the house system and where the planets were that was the beginning piece for me where I started understanding oh this is why I'm not the Leo that people think Think of when they think of Jennifer Lopez or Madonna. I, for me, Madonna was someone that I was a big fan of when I was growing up. And that was part of the challenge for me is that I kept thinking, why am I not like Madonna? 
that's pretty big shoes to go. <laughs> and then what was funny is my older sister, uh, we were five years apart. We were very close and she was a Leo, but I felt that she had more of the traits that allowed her to be more sociable than me. And so I remembered at one point that when I realized that the two of us were both Leos, that there was this moment where I was like, I have to understand what it is that's different about us and yet also what it is that's the same. And then that really kind of led me on understanding, you know, the house system and how the planets operate. And for me, that my son is in the fourth house and the moment that I understood understood how that works and the fourth house being a house that it almost operates in shadow. And so that for me made me really understand like, oh, okay, this is why I don't have that center stage personality that I'm much more a one-on-one person. And once I bring you into my circle, then you're going to get to see who I really am. And then you're going to get to know the more genuine parts of me that I probably hide for the majority of people that I come across. I can really relate to that. First time I got my astrological chart too, like there wasn't computers and that, or maybe it was just, just available. You could do online calculations. And I grew up thinking that I was a Capricorn sun, Capricorn rising. Later found out that those calculations weren't taking into account that where I was born didn't observe daylight savings time. That hour, I'm actually Sagittarius <laughs> rising and Capricorn sun. It's like, that just makes a whole difference, right? Because I was like, I'm not this hard driven corporate ladder Capricorn. Like why? Right. And mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be double Capricorn. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> and then yeah, cancer moon. So <laughs> Yeah. And it's funny because with the Cancer Moon, that's one of those, like for me, that definitely is interesting. Your Sagittarius rising would also be where you would be led into systems like the human design and, you know, all the healing journeys, all the healing systems that you've been coming across over the years. But your Cancer Moon would be something that would have allowed that as well. Like the door would be open, certainly with those two. And then what I love about your Capricorn is then you're able to take a system and actually work with it in a way where you can plan it and work with it and, you know, actually create something sustainable with that. And that's one of the things that I love in the work that I've done with astrology. And when I started doing charts for people, what I loved was that it really helped me have that appreciation for the uniqueness that we all have. And then I was learning myself about, oh, well, this is what is special about, you know, Capricorn, or this is what is special about Aquarius or Libra or something like that. So it's great that I can be looking at signs and looking at someone's chart. And I'm someone that I don't sugarcoat a chart. I remember one of the things that was happening early on when I was doing readings is people would say, oh, would you do a reading for me? And I would be like, oh, sure. I said, I just want you to know, though, I said that I'm going to really tell you what's there, you know, and they would be like, oh, what do you mean? And I'll be like, well, I'm I'm not going to tell you that you don't have challenges if you do. (laughs) It's like, oh, okay. And for me, part of why I was able to get into that space fairly easily was because my chart itself is, I I like to tell people that my chart's not the Pollyanna unicorn. (laughs) 
rainbow chart. I definitely have challenges in it and it's certainly more than one. And so I've learned over the years when I'm working with it to really let people know, like, here's the things that are where you'll have ease and here's the things where you're going to be meant to grow because it's just going to continue to challenge you in a way where if you really want to embrace the fullness of who you are, then you're going to need to learn how to embrace this part of your chart. And this particular part of your chart may never bring you joy, but it will bring you the growth. And there's joy in that. It's just that we don't normally see that as we're trying to set out on a journey that initially you figure there's going to be a destination and you're going to be done with it. not about the destination. It's about the journey. (laughs) One of my favorite sayings is, and I'm not sure where I came across it. I think actually when I was learning Reiki was where I came across it. And it's one of those they attributed to Buddha. So whether that's true or not, but it was like before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. And then after enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. And that's one of those where I always keep that in the back of my mind, because I know for me initially in my spiritual journey that there really was a place that I thought I was going to get to and be able to say, okay, all the hard work's done and I'm good and I'm off now to go out there. And so I think for me, and it's obviously it's something that with this journey and part of this journey that I'm on now, that that's kind of been very prevalent for me to remind myself is that that's why that's so important is it's just to really understand that the universe in order to help you be the whole that you are and really to have that self-actualization that you just really need to be able to understand that you're always and only going to just be asked to keep growing and to keep evolving and that for evolution there is no end point until you're not here anymore and then even that is a whole other new journey so Yes, no, exactly. It's really neat to listen to your story and just like how all of this ties together with accepting the shadow, working with the shadow and continuing to, and how you're showing others how to do that through their chart is what it sounds like to me. Yeah, I remember when I was listening to your first episode, I loved that you were talking about Mercury retrograde and how you were born with Mercury retrograde. And um, I was laughing because I thought, yeah, I always know that when I come across that in charts with people, what's so funny is that I actually tell them that one of their boon times is when Mercury is actually retrograde because they're in a situation where what they're able to internalize with the energy of Mercury, that once Mercury goes retrograde, you have an opportunity to actually be using that in a different way than you do most other times of the year when Mercury is moving direct. Where for most of us, it's like we're then like, oh, wait, we got to slow down and we got to double check everything. And so, yeah, I got a kick out of that. That's one of the things that I use for that. And then I also, with the planet Saturn, That's one of the planets that I really work with with people to let them know like where their challenges may be or where their shadow is. You know, with Saturn and Pluto, both, they are planets that they want to be a part of your evolution. But unlike Venus and Jupiter, they do not want to wrap it in a pretty box and give it to you. They want to be able to just dismantle things and disintegrate things and see how you're going to respond from there. And so, you know, it's kind of interesting on that level how the planets themselves work. And that's one of the things I tell people is that you have certain planets that their idea and their way of wanting you to grow is by just being there supporting you 
and cheering you on. And then you'll have planets in your chart that are really saying they're going to watch you fall flat in your face and say, yeah, okay, get up. Come on. We still have a lot to do. We got a lot to accomplish here. And so... (laughs) You know, I remember when I started talking about Saturn with readings and I used to just use the catchphrase, the taskmaster, because it's one of those where you can basically pick up any kind of astrology book and they'll refer to Saturn either as the teacher or the taskmaster. And then as I got more into doing the readings and actually just really kind of embracing my own path, that's when I really started understanding that he's really a planet that wants you to embrace your shadow. He wants you to know about it off because Saturn's the planet that feels like we're basically walking around unconscious. And so for Saturn, it's like, I'm the one that wants to wake you up and let what's really going on. And almost that who you really are, not who it is you think you are. So yeah, so that's one of those, when I do readings, it's very much the way to combine what I call the gifts and the challenges or the light and the shadow that we have in our chart and and learn how to express them. And at times, like learn to just be able to not be striving. And I think that's one of the things that we're kind of just getting into that era with self-love where it's, you know, we're just learning like, you know what, it's actually okay not to respond to emails or texts on a given day. And I was reading an article recently where that's what they said, that some of our anxiety and stress level just comes from the amount of information and communication that we receive on a daily basis that we feel ourselves we have to respond to. And I love, like they said, like think about 30 or 40 years ago, like you would never think that you had to call back every person that left you a message on any given day. You know, you'd probably get it done in a day or two or maybe three, depending on, you know, what was going on. But I mean, with where we're at now with social media, it's you just feel like you need to reach out to people and constantly be in motion. And I think we're just getting to that piece of self-love where we're really learning like, no, it is really, really healthy sometimes to just not be doing anything and to just be able to embrace that. Like, you know, this is a day where I'm not going to be trying to communicate with people or, you know, that this is a day I just want to have for myself. And it might be watching TV or it might just be sleeping or it might just be listening to music or just going out for a walk. And one of the things I love to do when I'm in those states is find a place in one of the parks that I'm around. I'm fortunate to be around a lot of greenery and be able to just kind of sit. And I love watching the birds. There's something about watching the birds that I feel like they really bring me into a present state, you know, because you're just really watching what they're doing and they have a very deliberate movement and why they're doing something. So they're not just flying around for the sake of flying around. So yeah, so that's one of the things that I work with with astrology too, is very much that the combination of the light and the shadow that we have and what that looks like in everyone's chart. You have me super curious. I'm probably going to have to book a reading with you. (laughs) My, yeah, my Saturn is hanging out in cancer as well. Opposition of my son and Well, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I am super curious. Most of what I do is through the human design lens and astrology is tied to that, but I just haven't had the energy or the want to dive into the astrology part, but I know there mm-hmm. are many experts in astrology. So why not lean on their expertise? For this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's called sharing the knowledge. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So with your tarot readings and that, do you find that you have the same themes of like gifts and shadow that you're, you bring into your readings? 
Yeah, the tarot readings are, that piece is really interesting for me because one of the things that was happening with that is that when I was initially working with them, I would only do tarot readings for someone that I was doing a chart reading for. So I would be booking an appointment and I would do their chart reading and then I would say to them, okay, you know, let's end this with doing a tarot reading to get an idea of like where you're at now and what might be some of the things that you need to do or the messages that you're getting about what direction to be moving in at this time. And that's the thing for me is that, you know, I try and get people to, to really engage with me during reading so that I can really help them in directing them in some way of like what avenue they need to go to or what would be some of the resources to try and get a hold of. I do probably enjoy it more when I'm sitting down with someone and they say, oh, I don't really know what to do for a reading. And I'll be like, oh, well, let's look at what's happening on the planets and we'll see see what this full moon coming up means. <laughs> I love not how you're tying so, those together. Yeah, because it's funny. It's not that that necessarily is easier. I remember as we were coming to the end of last year and I realized that the nodes were moving into Taurus and Scorpio, I remember that obviously for me initially, I'm a Taurus rising. So I was like, oh wait, this is going to be my first and seventh house. And I was in one of those states where I was like, hmm, North Node first house. Well, I could end up in the best shape of my life. Or I could suddenly find out I have all kinds of problems and, you know, didn't realize it. And so I remember like just really paying attention to that. I then started thinking about my friends and associates and I was like, wait, oh, this one has a Taurus moon. I have to let them know like this is what's happening. <laughs> so I started reaching out to everybody saying, oh, the nodes are going to change and you need to be prepared for this and prepared for that. And so, yeah, sometimes that'll be one of the things that happens too, is like when I'm aware of what's going to be going on. I'll literally reach out to someone and, and be saying to them, oh, just so you know, your son being here or Saturn being there, it could probably be a challenging year. Or unfortunately with Saturn, you're talking about a good challenging two and a half years. So, I mean, he's literally in Aquarius and is hanging out for another whole year there. And I literally feel for my Aquarians because I know that for a lot of them, they've just had, I think they've had a heaviness that they're having trouble dealing with because Aquarians or not, it's that's not the energy that they work with. Their energy is very much of the highest kind and almost that ether type energy. And with Saturn in there, it just is like, I need to see how much air I can suck out of your life. And so on the topic of transits, is there anything that listeners should be aware of that's coming up in the next three months, six months this year, astrologically, that could be important? Yeah. So one of the things that we have happening is kind of looking forward to April. Not that you have to write off the next few months, but... <laughs> One of the things I actually, I think it was on my Christmas episode where I actually was letting people know that January was going to be more of a take it one day at a time and make your intentions for the new year, but then spend the year just double checking that and making sure that's really what you want to do or making sure that you have the actual way that you can make that intention work for you. And, and I knew that with the retrogrades with Venus and 
Mercury that that was going to be part of it, as well as one point we literally just got done the energy of the Sun and Pluto conjuncting. And so it was really interesting because literally their exact conjunction happened the day after the Tonga volcano. And I just remembered like when that volcano went off and I was just like, oh my God, like that's um, one of the things that I actually, in one of the trainings that I had for astrology, one of the things they actually used to have you do is go through the paper every day and you had to cut out articles that you felt related to particular aspects that were going on that day. And so one of the things that happens to me still to this day is that when there's some major events, especially with these ecological events, and they're centered around some of these powerful aspects or these powerful full moons, it right away grabs my attention where I'll note like, oh, that's happening and this is happening. And so, but yeah, April's going to kick off our eclipse season. So we will have the first solar eclipse in Taurus happening the end of April. And then right in the middle of April, we have the conjunction between Jupiter and Neptune because Jupiter right now is in Pisces, which pretty much every astrologer was happy to see because all last year, Jupiter was in Aquarius with Saturn. And Jupiter is a planet that loves to help you out. Like Jupiter just wants you to expand and grow. And so Jupiter's attitude is, oh, you need more to do that? Here, here's more, here's more. So if you have Jupiter favorably aspected in your chart, then you're someone that normally will find that if you need something, it can be there when you need it and how you need it. And I love being around people that I know that where their Jupiter is. And then I just kind of like sit back and watch that happen. So yeah, so Jupiter in Pisces has been something that we've been looking forward to because of Pisces being the sign of spirituality and creativity, being the sign of mysticism. So, and just being free of Saturn energy because Jupiter was certainly more repressed than it would have been otherwise had it been able to be in Aquarius all by itself. So being in Pisces, but now being in Pisces with the planet Neptune, which Neptune's in its home in Pisces. And so what's going to be interesting is to really see like, what is it you can create, how you can create that. One of the things I think I said in one of the podcasts was like that you really do want to be clear about your intentions because with Jupiter being in Pisces and that being the sign of mysticism, you know, what it is you put out into the universe right now will have a much easier time being received and delivered back to you. So you just want to be really clear with what you want to be doing with that. But overall, that it does end up being like a really nice placement that we get to enjoy that energy through like the middle of May. So I think that's going to be really good. And then the other thing that we have happening other than the Jupiter and Neptune conjunction is that at some point we have, uh, and I think this happens in, this is towards the end of April, I believe as well. And it's the Jupiter and Venus conjunction. And those two, we call them the beneficence in a astrology because they are the two planets that want to be the first ones to step up and give you whatever it is that you need to be able to manifest what it is that you're trying to manifest. So that's one of those aspects that I'm really looking forward to too, because I'm like, oh, I want to make sure that right around that time, 
I'm setting myself up for what it is I'm trying to call forth because that will be a good time for that to happen. Um, but yeah, I think that April is going to be a really nice month where we're going to get into that period of the things that you're working on now that you'll start seeing the rewards and you'll start seeing the results of those things as we definitely get into April. And so I think April and May should be two of the more interesting months because of the eclipses that'll be happening. And because of this, you know, Jupiter kind of hitting the planets that is saying, hey, let's you and I get together and just give to people. (laughs) Sounds lovely. Yeah. So listeners, mark your calendars, April and May. So with, I understand that you have a free list of the chakras and the associated planets and that. Do you want to share more about that? When I first started learning astrology, it came back to me. It was one of those things that I learned it and then I forgot about it until I took Reiki. The first Reiki experience I had was probably 1998. And then my Reiki one atonement did not happen until 2001. And that was really interesting because it was one of those where, you know, that we're learning how you allow for things to happen versus when you're insisting or pushing that you want something to happen. And my whole Reiki experience was very much like that. It was so powerful that I literally spent like three years trying to find someone or a school or something to make it happen. And it just wasn't happening. And then all of a sudden when the universe was like, okay, now you're ready, then it just literally opened up. And what was really interesting is my Reiki one attunement happened literally four days after 9-11. And it was initially something that was supposed to happen in July. And the person that was running it ended up having a family emergency and had to reschedule and he rescheduled it for September 14th and the 15th. And I just remembered like that was one of those moments, you know how you have like certain moments where you're like, whoa, like I literally am walking in tune and in timing with the universe. And no matter what spiritual journey you're on, that does not happen on a regular basis. But when it does happen and you're aware of that, that is so humbling and powerful all at the same time. And so that was how Reiki came into my life. And in that process, it reintroduced the chakras and the planets and how the planets are associated with particular chakras that, you know, in our energy centers that we work with. And I remembered it was just one of those moments when it came back that I was like, oh my goodness, I learned this like years ago when I first started studying astrology. And, and I was like, oh, I completely forgot about this. And I was like, oh, well, this could be something that people might be interested in is learning like, oh, well, Mercury obviously is associated with the throat chakra and Venus is with the heart chakra and Mars is the solar plexus. And so that's the thing that I'll put out there for people. Because along with that, I also have one of those guides that actually shows you like some of what the astrological signs are for the different chakra points as well. It kind of gets me into that theoric part of astrology and how sometimes as an astrologer, you can get very left brain because you're kind of working at and looking for the patterns and looking for the connections. And even though that's quiet work, it is very much that focused on, okay, what do I see here and what do I see there? But when I start working with the chakras in astrology, that very much gets to be that 
that energy of just being. And this is how the energy of the universe flows through you. And this is where you feel it. You know, like I'll be on the podcast saying to people, oh, so if you're feeling kind of jittery or anxious and you don't know why, like this is why. But when you then associate that with the chakras, what you really understand is that's that above and below connecting and we're the below piece. And that energy that's running through you is what's coming from the universe. And that's coming because of, you know, what Saturn might be doing with the sun or what Uranus is doing with Mercury or what Pluto is doing with Venus. And that really does have an impact on our energetic centers. And so, yeah, that's one of those things that people can reach out to me. The best is to find me on Facebook under Rooted in Starlight and also under Trisha Morrissey because I have um, a Facebook page for both. And then that way they can connect with me and I could definitely get that list off to them for what energy centers and what the planets, how they work with each other. Sounds great. I love that. Yeah. Cause it's so easy to just be left brain, be in the mind, but yeah, to step back and bring that energy into the body and feel where it's at in the body and, and work with it that way. It's just a whole different layer. Right. So I'll make sure and have all of Trisha's information in the description so that you can connect with her. This has been so great. It has. I've actually really enjoyed this to really be able to have an opportunity to share my vision and how I came to be who I am today and what it is that I want to be able to share with other people. It's such a privilege to be able to hear these stories and witness you and through that journey, because it's not all sunshine and roses. It's not all sunshine and roses, right? Yeah. There's real life that happens and there's real, like I was talking about in my earlier podcast about big traumas and little traumas and things like Mm -hmm. that. We all experience, we have ways of working, hopefully working through and to come to yeah this place of healing and continuing that journey. Yeah, definitely. Appreciate you sharing your story. And I'm very grateful that you invited me. And so that your listeners know we will be swapping. And so they can definitely be keeping an ear out for when you let them know that you'll be on my podcast. Yes, Um, yes, that'll be. Which I will make sure I time that, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll get it figured out. One thing I will say is that as an astrologer, I still never act like, oh, I'm the one in charge. So, because what's so funny is I remember when I woke up and just with the way my sinuses were acting and I was like, Trisha, why didn't you realize like Mercury and Venus both being retrograde wasn't the best time for an interview? I'm bringing the energy for it. (laughs) Exactly. There you go. But it was so funny because then at one point I remembered that on your first episode, you were saying that with you being a Mercury retrograde child and I turned around and I was like, oh, but this will work out anyway, because this is exactly the timing for Pam. So it should work out for her. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Yeah. I know. I was like, who launches the podcast during Mercury retrograde? (laughs) I do. (laughs) (laughs) So is there anything that you'd like to leave listeners with? If they're just starting their spiritual journey, or maybe they want to dive into astrology or tarot. I think the biggest thing that I would leave every with the message that I have for anyone, whether it's a spiritual journey or the esoteric arts, is that they are lifelong journeys. And one of the things for anyone that works with an astrologer, if you want to know what kind of astrologer they are, 
find out what it is they think about astrology. And the ones that are the best ones are the ones that know we are a continual student of astrology. So I'm someone that knows that I'm always learning. There's always another facet. And there are so many different systems, as you know yourself with what you're working with, that being able to put layer upon layer upon layer, it takes commitment, but it's one of the more fascinating ways to connect to that which is bigger than us and understand that our little tiny piece of energy does make a difference. And then you can just have that joy of seeing like how it is that we connect with others. And then the other piece for me would be just be kind to yourself because spiritual journeys are not easy in any way, shape or form. You have what I call that honeymoon period for most people that are just starting out where it's just this amazing feeling and energy and the things that it's like the world opens up for you with a whole new set of eyes and ears. But then there is a point where then the universe says, okay, now we got some work to do. And so for that, it's just like, just commit to the long haul because it is worth it. And you will be brought into communities and tribes of people that can help you. And they may not be the lifelong. So be prepared to be like, oh, 20 years ago, I had this group of people around me. Well, here I am now with a whole other group of people around me that are just as amazing and that I'm learning from in ways that I would not have even thought possible. And so as long as you can stay open to that. It it really is an amazing journey. Great. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Pam. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. If you'd like to connect with Trisha, all of her information will be in the episode description, or you can head over to my website, madforpurple.com to access the show notes. Some key takeaways from this episode. The spiritual journey is a lifelong journey. It's not about the destination. Astrology is a great way to see your unique gifts and challenges. The planet Saturn wants you to wake up and embrace your shadow. Jupiter and Neptune will be conjunct mid-April through mid-May, so have your intentions clear on what you want to create in your life so you can receive it with more ease. And lastly, each planet is associated with the chakra center and looking at them in this way is one way of getting out of the left brain focus and into the right brain of being. If you'd like to support me in the show, please share this episode or head over to Apple or Spotify and leave a review. Dory Stewart writes, love, enjoying learning from Pam. I'm left inspired and wanting to hear more. And from Sherry Arlene, so much goodness. I learned so much from you, Pam. We'll definitely listen to the previous episodes so I can catch up. Thank you so much, Sherry and Dory, for leaving reviews. I so appreciate it, and it helps the show so much. If you're interested in learning more about your human design, reach out so we can make sure you have your chart. If you have your chart, I do introductory and advanced readings, which you can check out at alchemy.madforpurple.com or feel free to DM me to discuss. Before you leave, don't forget to click that follow button on your podcast listening app so that you don't miss an episode. New episodes come out each Thursday, so be sure to tune in. Thank you again so much for listening and I will see you then.